All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mountain West Wire football podcast. That's right. We are diving into and continuing our Matt, Matt Kennelly there. Season previews, number four, Nevada Wolfpack. We're here. We're getting there. Yeah. That's not very yeah, excited, but what's up with that? I, I know you don't <laughs> like the Wolfpack because you're a Fresno guy, but still, give us a little enthusiasm. <laughs> no, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, I think the order of this year's podcasts have been really interesting because I think that, and I'm pretty sure I've said this before, the Mountain West feels wide open, very and cool. Nevada is definitely a part of that. They are. They um, Also, like we did our coaching rankings. People weren't happy with us. But then we see other rankings, Jay Norvell, but we see other people, hey, we're higher than others, so give us That's a true. <laughs> and for those, of, for those of you who didn't see it, um, I put the daily hike up when we're recording, recording on the, uh, June 12th, so if you want to go look that up, uh, there's a link to the Mountain West coach rankings that were put up by Steve Lassen over at Athlon. Great guy. He actually ranked Norvell eighth. So, so I, I sincerely hope that those people who yelled at us went to go yell at him too. Here's the thing about that: like Norville's not a bad coach by any means. He's still young, which is an issue, not an issue, but for the rankings wise, I guess I'll say an issue. But to get cred, we'll do this really quick here. Not better than Rocky Long, Brian Harson, no. Um, Jeff Tedford, no. Gary, Gary Anderson, no. The highest I could maybe, maybe is fifth, but even fifth, I'd put him behind Troy Calhoun. Like he's middle of the pack at the moment, right? No point, but I mean, if if I had remembered to vote, <laughs> I probably would have put Norvell a little bit higher because I see him at least for right now and kind of being the same boat as Craig Bull, where obviously you know yeah. Wyoming and Nevada aren't like one to one like hard jobs. Like you talk about Wyoming as always being a tough place to recruit and a tough place to win consistently. I don't know if Nevada is quite on that level. But I would I would give credit to Norvell for kind of reviving the program in a way that we hadn't really seen in a few years, yeah. and and putting them in a position where even if you know, asking for another step forward is kind of up in the air, I definitely see a path where they can at least hold on to their gains, you know, and implement or, or rather put a lot of new athletes into the system and really become a major factor possibly as soon as next year. So for me, I probably would have put him in the top five. Yeah, but it's but, close. But like, there's at least four guys, or yeah, at least those four guys I mentioned, clearly ahead of him no matter what, right? That's the point. I, mean, like, I, I think personally I'm a little bullish on the Wolfpack. Why just mean in I general? Might, I might have put him ahead of Gary Anderson, to be honest. I, I don't think I could do it. You could probably make a good argument, but I would just say – that's not the case because he's also only been head coach for this is year three, so that's part of it too. Like Craig Bull, I'd I'd still put Troy Calhoun ahead of him, but here's the thing: he bear, top five would be the highest you could put him in, no matter what. Like fifth, if you're being generous, is fifth. Any higher? It's like no, it's maybe he'll win nine games this year. He'll move up a few spots, but I'm just saying like who's ahead of him? It's hard to get to be one of the better coaches, and that makes and that's a good thing because that makes means the league is very good and healthy and competitive and. Like I said, wide open, which is going to be exciting for a lot of these games this year. Exactly. So, where should, where should we start? We talked some coaching stuff. We talked where the rankings. We got some offense. Oh, I guess if you're new, we are at mwwire.com. Maybe we should mention that, Matt. We need to learn how to open up <laughs> Maybe, show. yeah. So, but we're, we're getting into it with coaching rankings and everything. But uh, we're here. Uh, that's our website, MWWire, Mountain West Wire, Facebook, Twitter. Find us on any podcast form you'd like to search, and we're there, right, I think? Pretty much anywhere. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So here's the deal: Norvell, third year. I guess let's uh, let's just get with the offense. I guess let's start with what's coming back because we'll get to the quarterback because that's a really uh, interesting situation with Ty Ganji no longer on the team because he graduated and moved on. They also lost, um, I guess, a couple lost. McLean Mannix is gone to uh, Texas Tech to uh, be wide receiver. Here's what they got: they might have the best running back in the conference in Toa Tua who freshman of the year, ran the ball very well outside of Juwan Washington and I guess now the Cole Fagan-less Air Force Falcon running back. If that, or, yeah, he might be the number one back. Hit Ronnie Rivers maybe, but it's uh, he's going to be very, very good, and I predict easily 1,000 yards from that guy. Easily. Can I take it a step further? Best and then we'll, we'll come back to the running backs in particular. What do you got? Sounds juicy. I think, I think this might be the best collection of offensive talent outside of Boise. What? <clears throat> Even Hawaii? Across the board, yeah. 
expound on that, please. What do you got? Okay. So I got to start with the big picture, though, because I think that explains a lot of, of, of where I'm going with this thought. Hold on. You also do know we don't know who the quarterback is yet, too, right? That's very true. And I'm, and I'm saying, <laughs> you know, beyond that, but even with the upside that the quarterbacks have, which we'll get to in a minute, you know, this team won eight games last year, and maybe you could make the argument that they left a little something on the table. Like another win or two somewhere down the road? Or back on the possibly, road? Possibly, yeah. And and the reason I think that is because when you when you take a step back and look what they were able to accomplish last year, especially in the offensive side of the ball, they were one of the more explosive offenses in the conference. You know, they were 25th nationally by ISO PPP, which is Bill Connolly's measure for explosiveness. But they were only 90th in offensive success rate. They had more turnovers on offense than any other uh, team in the conference. And so, you know, I think even with the quarterback question lingering, the fact that they have pretty much everybody else coming back makes me think that they have a very good foundation on which to build upon. You know, last year they only finished 83rd by offensive S&P Plus. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are benchmarks that I think that whoever steps in at quarterback can definitely meet. And I think that you know, with guys like Tua coming back, or excuse me, Toa Tawa coming back, it's and, and it's not just him either in the backfield. You know, you have Kelton Moore, who mm-hmm. maybe we kind of forgot about him, but he was pretty good last year. You know, he had 4.8 yards per carry. He had an opportunity rate of over 50%. You know, he was the only guy among their three main runners, Tawa, Moore, and, and Devontae Lee, to crack 50%. And, oh, by the way, both he and Tawa were pretty decent, if not you know, elite out of the backfield as pass catchers as well. Between the two of them, they caught 42 passes as well. And, and so, uh, Lee also led the team in rushing touchdowns as a number three running back. So just you know, as I'm sitting here in mid-June, I just I see so much potential for growth in this offense. And I think a lot of it does come down to what kind of step forward does the running game take? Because, you know, it wasn't just about the quarterback situation kind of leaving something on the table. Mm-hmm. I think you could make the case for as good as Tawa was. You could His talent was very evident in a lot of ways, but there are definitely there's definitely room for improvement among him and the rest of the running back committee yeah. as well. Yeah, one number two, like, he'd get, a, he'd get hit and keep going and get more yards. Like, I just checked in this number from last year. Yards after being hit, over six yards. Like, hits yards per carry. Like, mm-hmm. he would get hit and keep going. So, like, he's hard to take down. He keeps moving. And like I said, he'll get over a thousand yards. And there's he was a true freshman last year, so obviously there's going to be improvement to come from year one to year two. By the time he took over, it took him a minute to get going because his true freshman is Kelton Moore getting the start. He's going to be better in this running back group. It's going to help whoever is the quarterback, which is a huge relief for the new guy who's going to get their first start for the Wolfpack when they go take on Purdue in the first week of the year. And so it can ease in, hand the ball off. They bring basically everybody back from receiving, except for, like I mentioned, McLean Mannix, but they bring literally everybody back. Caleb Folsom could be one of the best receivers in the conference, maybe get a few more touchdowns because he had one TD on 70 catches, which is not ideal for your number one guy. But Romeo Dobbs, Elijah Cooks, uh, Brendan O'Leary Orange could be a huge factor this year. Huge. Exactly. Just saying, they they have plenty of guys. He had almost 16, 15, 16 yards per catch last year, and they are deep. Like, they – do you see how many receivers are on this team? Oh, yeah. <laughs> they have literally 10 guys, 15 guys, 20 guys, it seems like, on this team. Well, yeah, we're not even talking about the guys who stepped up at the very end of the year. The bowl you game know, we, guys. You know, the Arizona Bowl, for instance, like where Ben Putman, what kind of role is he going to play this mm-hmm. year? Reagan Roberson, they don't really use the tight end that much, but they graduated both Trey Carter-Wells and Trevion Armstrong. Justin Brent, he two catches 10 or 15 passes. So, yeah, they've definitely got a lot a lot of options to go around. I guess I'm going defense. But, yeah, they have lots of guys who did really good things. And so I, you're turning me around, Matt, to make me think they're going to be much better than I'm thinking. But so let's go. we'll get to QB in a second. We'll save that 10. I guess receiving really quick. There's just a million guys on there. So I guess losing Mannix, while a big deal when he had 50, 50 catches, 7 TDs, his catch rate was barely over 50%, so not ideal. I think they have enough guys. They'll be fine. It just depends who will be the number two. Like maybe it's Romeo Dalbs. He had 43 catches. That seems the most likely. They'll, they're, they're just going to need somebody else to step up to play. And again, they will need a new tight end, but I think they'll be fine whoever comes into that play into that position. 
but I don't see there being an issue at wide receiver at all. Do you? Not necessarily. I mean, I think that if you look at catch rate in particular, you mentioned Mannix had a, a catch rate of about 53%. To me, one big thing I want to see is, you know, A, it would help if O'Leary Orange stays healthy because he did miss a couple of games last year after that really scary injury he suffered in the middle of the year. But outside of that, he only had 14 catches and a catch rate of 48%. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even though he and Elijah Cooks both averaged over 15 yards a catch, they were both well under 50%. And so I think that, you know, maybe some of that has to do with, you know, in quarterback inaccuracy, maybe some of that had to do with drops. I don't have those numbers in front of me. But that's definitely the kind of thing where even just by regression to the mean, no matter who ends up under center, that seems like something that's going to improve almost by default. Okay, so one last spot for get the QB. Same thing offensive line is, as receiver, in my opinion. They lose a couple of guys, and, yeah, one's honorable mention and what Sean Kreps there, but if you look at who they're recruiting as well, like I don't care that the guy's name. Like, okay, Aaron Frost, highly recruited guy, sophomore, right tackle, played a couple games. They bring back two starters, who played 10-plus games career-wise their last year, 20, nearly 20 starts career-wise. So there's a slight concern there. But, again, if you look at the recruiting stuff of who they have, like the names we won't real well, – well, we sort of know who could be on the two deep and stuff at the offensive line, but they're recruiting well above like that 82, 83, 79% range. They're all better rated than the guys who started right now. And yeah. they're big guys still, like all over 300 pounds – they have plenty of guys. They're all a couple mid upperclassmen, sophomore guys. But I guess that is a slight concern with the new quarterback who does a few different things than who they had before and gelling. So I'm not too concerned there. They seem to be recruiting better overall. And the guys that have come in who the redshirted or played last year, I think for me it's just kind of finding who the guys might be. And the way they ran it last year, it's like, oh, they have the good backs who could be patient and maybe offset if there's any issue on the offensive line at all, just because they're getting used to each other. And so there could be a couple bumps early on, but it'll be okay. It's, that's probably my biggest concern on offense, but it's not even that too big concerns. We have two upperclassmen left and right tackle out there. Yeah, I mean, I think Jake Nelson is definitely a really solid foundation on which to build upon. And I mean, let's not forget Nevada has a recent history of developing offensive linemen into NFL caliber players. So you know, maybe Nelson is the next guy we're talking about as a day two or day three pick, you know, uh, sometime in April of next year. It wasn't Corbett who had picked 33 to the Browns, I think it was. Yes. And, and, and Joel Batonio was a second round pick before that. <laughs> they do a good job. All right, let's get the quarterback because who cares about offensive line, right? Well, I guess people yeah. do, but it's important. But we went to glamour position, right? We went to guys who have been out there. I mean, I think it helps that they at least have guys, even if they didn't have starting experience last year, this had a lot of playing time, like Nathan Edwards, for instance, who's probably going to step in for Kreps at center. He actually appeared in 12 games last year. You know, Frost might be one of those young yeah. guys, like you mentioned, who steps up into a starting role. You know, Miles Beach had 10 games last year. So even if it's not starting experience, these are guys who saw extensive game action last year. And so that's why I think overall we're probably going to end up okay. All right, so let's go to quarterback. This is what people want to know about. So Ty Gage, he moves on. The name people may have heard the most, he may not be the starter, but the name you heard the most, Luke Henry, coming in from, what is the last chance you, from that Netflix documentary? Did you ever watch that? Independence, that, I, Independence Community Call. I love that show. Was it good? I never watched it. I'm sorry. It's I'm, pretty good. I'm a bad person, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but I guess he's, you, know, you have him who, wasn't he, he was a Florida State guy before that, transferred, because that's kind of the thing, last chance you, Juco, and a pretty good one as well. But he also have guys like Christian Solano, retro freshman, um, Carson Strong played. Um, I don't know who it'll be. It's In this offense, it's got to be a guy who clearly – they're all, all being in spring is good because had Henry or Solano or somebody else came later, like in fall camp because they couldn't participate in spring, that's a big that, – that would be a big negative. But these guys who, are, who got to play last year and be in spring – it's a pretty big deal. And I, who do you think it would be? Because they all kind of bring something different, but they're all still in the mix because uh, Jay Norvell is not leading uh, anybody on saying, oh, it might be Carson Strong, it might be Henry, it might be Solano. Those are the three guys who are probably going to be it. I just, we just don't know who it'll be it. Yeah, we talked about this in the spring roundup that we had back in March, I think. 
and it didn't really help matters that all three guys played well during the spring yeah. game. Dang it! <laughs> but but every indication that I've everything that I've read seems to indicate that Solano, at least for now, has the inside track. It makes sense. And and I don't know. I'm totally sold on it. And because you know, in the, in the the limited game action that he had last year, which was primarily against Fresno State, and I suppose I should preface this by saying, let's not forget Fresno State had one of the best defenses in the group of five last year but i went back and i watched that game and he just looked overmatched you know we, we talk about the fact that we think the offensive line is going to be in good hands despite the turnover but you know he ended up taking i think four sacks in that game you know he threw three interceptions he, including two of them that i can recall off the top of my head that were there was no receiver in sight it was just a I don't know if it was a misread or like a lack of communication or whatever, but it was not a very good performance. And so I, nope. for now, at least I take his performance in the spring game with a little bit of a grain of salt. And while Henry is the guy who is very clearly the people's choice, you know, before we recorded this podcast, I put up a little flash poll for our Nevada followers on Twitter. And I think it was like 70% of the respondents if it was their decision, they would make Henry the starter. And our friends over at Nevada Sportsnet did a similar survey back at the end of April, I think after the spring game, and he was an overwhelming choice then too. But I think it is worth mentioning that despite the fact that he has a very high ceiling, I went back and watched as much video of the spring game as I could, Mm -hmm. and the ball just comes out of his his delivery differently than it did with Solano in, in game last year. But in his time at uh, ICC, he only had 10 touchdowns and 11 interceptions. You know, so, and he doesn't have quite the same level of mobility that Solano has. And, and you know, while he wasn't great throwing the ball, we should give Solano credit because he did average almost six yards of carry in his limited playing time last year. And he did have an opportunity rate of just under 60%, which is pretty good. And if they want to have that kind of extra dimension of having a running quarterback to go along with a power running game, to go along with a, a quick strike air raid passing attack, I think Solano probably is the option. And then Carson Strong is kind of the big unknown. He was a three-star guy, but he didn't play at all his senior year. He really only saw a handful of plays last year, and they're saying he might be the guy with the strongest arm of all. He's definitely the biggest guy at 6'4", 220, but... Yeah, it's one of those things, and I, I think Chris Murray over at NSN noted this too, it's one of those things where everybody has clear upside and everybody has clear downside, but the, the, the decision is going to be really important. And no matter the fact that they have so much talent surrounding him, you know, making the right choice right off the bat is going to be extremely crucial for this team. Well, yeah, you got Purdue and Oregon, and even Weber State's not a pushover, an FCS playoff team who made it pretty far and had, I think, uh one of the best running backs in that, in that division or that level. But I think so, it's worth mentioning teams. that when you, like I said, when you look back at what Ty Ganji did last year, mm-hmm. I think that there are attainable benchmarks for whoever does end up at quarterback. Like one thing that really jumped out to me looking back at last year, Ty Ganji was 12th in the conference in QB rating on third downs. It was a 120.80 rating. That was worse than Josh Love, worse than Ryan Agnew, worse than Max Gilliam. There were plenty of times where Ganji had your head scratching for stuff he's doing. And when you look at the splits between what they were able to do when they were winning games versus when they were losing games, you know, he lost a little bit of effectiveness when they were trailing in games as well. And so I think that you know, when I say Nevada left something on the table, you know, I don't think you can really pin it on any one person. I think that you know, there were multiple guys who could have done a little bit more. But that's one of those things where if the guy steps in you know, whoever it is and is successful right away, you know, then we're talking about Nevada not necessarily trying to lose a step, but at least holding onto its gains. And maybe if the offense clicks right away, you know, taking a step forward. Does it matter who the quarterback is? I think so, because it has to be the right quarterback. Well, obviously, but I mean, like, what would be, like, you, you're pretty high in Nevada. I think they could be pretty, do pretty well. So I, I, won't give away my prediction, but I think they'll be fine. Could be comparable to last year. But what what do you want to see something do what Ty Gangy did? Do you want to improve upon that? Like for me it's like I 
Like Ty Gandy was hit or miss, but he did have, did show some good things. Thirty three hundred yards is nothing to sneeze at. Had sixty percent completion rate, pretty good. I think they need to be something close to that, and they'll be fine because the other positions will help them out. Specifically, they'll probably run a bit more this year than last year. I get it, pick the right guy, but I think they would want something where, say, three thousand yards, twenty touchdowns, to eight interceptions, and that will be pretty good. Yeah, I think they need someone who need who can make better decisions. Yeah. The 13 picks were not good last year. Exactly. So I don't, do you have any inkling who it'll be? Because I think people want Henry. Like you said, our poll was right about 70%. I just checked again. It's the name. He's from Florida State. He's a transferred a couple times. FBS, JUCO, FBS again. That's who people had most name recognition, I guess. But I don't think Norvell's going to fall into Like, well, people like this guy. He's a fan favorite. You play who you're going to play. Yeah, definitely not. Yeah. I I, might lead I, I think some, a lot of it is going to depend on how much are they trying to win now and how much are they trying to grow as an offense, not only for this year, but for next year. Because let's not forget, you know, Tawa is only a sophomore. Mm-hmm. So is Romeo Dow. And Devontae Lee as well. You know, Elijah Cooks is a junior. So there, a lot of these guys, you know, will be back for 2020 as well. But I don't I, think I, you I mean, can wait for If it were me, I guess I would probably go with Solano. Because here's – you can't wait to play for next year. It's like, oh, because they're still probably going to be bowl eligible this year, like be in that range. Yeah. Assuming they pay, unless they have a quarterback weird, weirdness where they kind of go back and forth, like, oh, what are we doing? Who are we going with? They have enough talent to be a bowl eligible team, whoever's in there, but it could be a step back if they're going to Solano, to Strong, to Henry. You know what I mean? Keep switching around. Because you have Strong, retro freshman, Solano, a, a senior, then Henry has is a junior. If it's close, I've always thought this is the what you should be doing. If it's close, go with the guy who's younger. Because, say, Solano's fine, but Henry's about the same. Play Henry because he'll have two, two years to play. That's I mean, my I philosophy. What, I think what, what you want to avoid is the kind of situation that they had a couple of years ago. Yeah. Where they where they had David Cornwall, Ganji, and Was that last year? Was that last year or the year before? No, he Year before. Hopefully Norvell learned from those mistakes because those that was terrible. I mean, and then to some extent, it's not necessarily about learning from the mistake. It's just you know making sure they find the right guy right away, or at least sticking with the guy, even if they do kind of have hiccups here and there, which is going to happen to any quarterback. And I think that's going to be doubly important as we segue to the defense. Oh yeah, because while I do think that the offense definitely has a lot of room to grow, the defense definitely has a few more significant questions that will need to be addressed throughout the fall. Oh, yeah, because look who they lose, like, Corey Rush is gone. They lose um, Malik Reed is gone. They lose most of their secondary, Dotson, Rufus, Baber is gone. They have, but then again, we mentioned a couple of the younger guys who stepped up in the bowl season, like Don Peterson, who was good anyways, but he had a great bowl game. There's there's some issues, and especially, look, they play in the West. Hawaii's going to throw the ball. Um, San Diego State's going to run it against them. They're going Fresno will probably do a combo of both. There's a lot of lot of talent gone. Like what half? What is it? Half their starters are gone, I believe, from last year. I believe so. Five yeah, five or six. I mean, the upside is even though they lost a lot of their pass rush from last year, Rush and Reed combined for 14 sacks between them. Yeah, they've still got a pretty good foundation in place that stretches across all three levels of the defense. I really like mm-hmm. Peterson. Oh yeah. As a, as a guy who can break out at defensive end. And they have some talent on the interior as well. Hosea Sakona may not necessarily light up the stat sheet. You know, he only had three and a half tackles for loss last year. But, you know, between him and Chris Green, they've got a pair of guys who could definitely disrupt in the middle of the defense, which they didn't necessarily have a lot of last year. No, you're, you're right. Definitely have. But also one thing, too, like I mentioned recruiting offensive line real quick. And you mentioned the same thing about games played. A lot of guys played last year, and the guys, some of the guys they lost last year, I know it'll take a minute to get them going, but they recruited extremely well the defensive line. That might be one of their best. Them and that, and I guess they recruited pretty well the past couple years, it looks like. But they have guys who they expect to come in and play after last year. Yeah, I mean, it could be one of those units where you know we've seen young guys step up and contribute, especially like wide receiver, for instance. Yeah. You know, if you remember, Mannix kind of came out of nowhere as a freshman, and, and maybe this is a, a spot where one of those guys, like you know, Braylon Garcia or Javasia Brunson, you know, 
pretty solid three-star recruits can carve out a role for themselves on the defensive line rotation. I think also it helps, like, they, like I mentioned, they have a good recruiting from, like, the freshmen you see down there. But, like, mm-hmm. they, they're going to be outside of uh, Peterson. Everybody's a junior or above who had significant playing time last year. Yeah. And so, yeah, they didn't start. Their numbers were, like, 12 tackles here, 15 tackles here. You know what I mean? Like, the total tackles weren't great, but they have a lot of experience. They've been around, too. And so that's mm-hmm. going to help. One thing I noticed that's weird, did you see Don Peterson is a defensive end at 315? That's pretty wild, right? And then you have a Sakona who's a nose tackle at 275. Whatever works, right? Hey, yeah, just saying. He must. um... Yeah, we'll go with that. Whatever works for them. So I'm not concerned. Like, overall defense, like, they lose the guys. I think, um, I guess my my biggest concern, like you mentioned, what Rush and Reed combined for is making up that amount of sacks where TFLs, like, uh, was it uh, Rush had 12.5 TFL, six sacks? Reed had 15 and a half and eight. That's going to be, I want to see who's going to get that. Is it going to be one guy, maybe like Lucas Weber, Kyle Adams, Lawson Hall, somebody who played last year who had like a couple TFLs, a couple sacks. I'm leaning probably toward like Lucas Weber who had 10 and a half TFLs. Mm-hmm. Maybe he'll get a couple more here or there. But that's what I, I think the biggest concern for me in defense. Who's going to be those other playmakers? Um, oh, I guess one thing we should note, Gabriel Sewell did not transfer. That's a huge deal too. That's true. Between him and Weber, you know, obviously losing Reed is going to hurt just yeah. about any defense in the conference. For sure. But that's a pretty good one, too, right there. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, the guys who, you know, even if they weren't necessarily in starting roles last year, there's really no slouches among the guys who are coming back. Like Malik Brody had five tackles for loss. Mm-hmm. Lawson Hall had two and a half tackles for loss. Kyle Adams. I think they have options there. And so you can feel a little better about, you know, whoever is going to end up stepping up in that role. And also, like you mentioned, what are they doing for 2020? Defense can't do that. Look at the linebackers. They're all going to be gone next year. The defensive line has multiple seniors on this team. So it's like, yes, building the offense for 2020 for the QB, if they go with the younger guy, they can't do it overall because the timing doesn't match up with who's returning and who's not when we look way ahead. So you still want to – you're not, not that I'm saying they're going to not play to win, obviously, but – that's why I think, hey, go with the younger guy. Go with the best guy to get you the wins. Secondary, this is the, my biggest concern, right? Because those three starters, they lose some really, really good guys who – look at the pass breakups they're losing, man. A lot of guys who knock the ball down. But depth is huge. How, why do they have, like, 25 defensive backs? What is up with this? <laughs> <laughs> well, they brought in I, – I believe they brought in six freshmen in their most recent class, the 2019 <laughs> six class. Six freshmen. And, and those freshmen, that might be I, – I think that that is maybe the number one position where young guys could step up and contribute right away. Yeah, because you can play nickel back, dime package, get a handful of plays throughout the year, and play multiple games and still redshirt and keep that year of eligibility by playing a quarter of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I guess one guy that um, – well, I guess he's not here. Nef, 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 Nephi Sewell, never mind. He's went to uh, Utah, I believe, right? BYU, one of the two. I think BYU. I believe it was BYU. I remember they were talking about between him and his brother going to Utah or BYU. One went to BYU. But overall, like, Tyson Williams is going to be his year. He's, he played a lot last year. He's a, one of the highest-rated guys. He only had 16 tackles, but he might be the guy. Him and Daniel Brown are going to have to kind of step up and take over. And Brown already had, like, knocking the ball down, what, 11 pass breakups. Maybe go from 11 to 5 and have, like, four picks instead instead <laughs> of just the one. I think they're going to do a rotational thing to see what they have. But who, they, like you mentioned, they played. Look how many guys played last year. I joked they had a million guys coming in. You mentioned all the freshmen coming in. They're going to be. I just want to see how they gel because you have so many guys rotating in or out. I just, like, look at Justin Arnold. He's one of the higher rated safeties. He played in 12 games last year, but didn't do a ton. He may have, I don't remember how many plays or snaps he had. But a lot of these guys who had double digit games didn't, weren't productive, but it could have been. They're in for four plays on like a fourth and you know what I mean, like a lo- fourth and twenty play when the team's going forward, like a third and thirty, some nickel package. Yeah, just get in there, you know what I mean. I don't recall exactly who played how much, but getting on the field is great. They have enough players to be picky, I guess, right? Like they can not be picky, but be lenient and oh, let's try this group, let's try this group. But then again, Purdue, Oregon would going up against Justin Herbert in week two, probably the potential number one draft pick next year overall. They're going to need to find out who they are really quick, though. That's the thing. They have all these talent. They have no time to ease in to play these teams. Because look what 
Purdue could do. They're going to want to put up points as well. And so this unit's going to be tested early and often by week one and two. I mean, I get that. But I think that Brown is definitely a good foundation to build upon. He might have been the best quarterback in the in the conference last year, and we didn't realize it. Whoops. <laughs> and I only say that because if you go if you follow Pro Football Focus, you would know that he's the top rated returning cornerback in the entire conference this year. Good stat. Overall, yeah. um, even more than Avery Williams, I guess. Is he a DB? More than Avery Williams. More than Jaron Bryant. Okay, just making sure. Double checking. They're good. PFF is good. We're not not saying just looking for context. Who else is out there? Noting that basically noting there are other good defensive backs and cornerbacks in the conference as well. Yeah. All right, let's move on because we're on a time crunch tonight. So I guess I will mention special teams. They have a punter. Good check, right? Quentin Conway is solid. Yeah. yeah, in a in a in a conference full of really good punters, all of a sudden Conway is definitely in that mix. So he's back. That's good. Kickoff guy. They'll be fine. Whoever it is, field goal kicker is where the the big issue, I guess, is because they lose Ramiz Ahmed, who was basically nearly perfect, 40-44, only missed one field goal last year uh, from inside 39. Distance, eh, could have been better. But you're replacing him with, um, what, Spencer Pettit, maybe? Spencer Pettit was okay in 2017. Yeah, sure. He didn't play much last year, though. That's the, I guess having him who played before is a good deal, is a good thing to have. So there is still some concern he got beat out last year, right? I mean, maybe. I mean, I think if you're looking for one thing, you, you, one area of improvement, Ahmed was only three of seven on attempts of more than mm-hmm. 40 yards. Yeah, i got to make those. And while I don't think anybody's going to argue that Pettit has a cannon for a leg, I think there's a pretty good chance he can do better than 50%, you know, even if they give him limited opportunities to do that. Like, if he could be, like, three of four or, like, you know, even three of five or something like that, you know, just converting those kinds of opportunities into points is one of those kind of incremental ways that the offense can be a little bit better than they were last year, even despite, you know, the questions at quarterback. You know, it's just one of those instances where that is someplace they can grow. As could punt return and kick return. Like, a Romeo, assuming Romeo Dobbs will do it, he had 17 yards per, per touch, I guess, a touchdown on there. He had, was even with the D- Dillian, or excuse me, Dillian Henley, assuming he's going to be the same guy back there, they always switch these up. But return game could be pretty sneaky good for this Wolfpack team. So they had only what I, I'm only saying Matt one touchdown, but how many touchdowns do you really get in special teams? Having guys back there and who've done it before, you maybe Caleb Folsom will get an extra ch- touch or two. They're going to be, I think that could be, uh, it's kind of tricky to pick special teams right for a return game, but having guys back there and had decent success already, that's not a negative, right? <laughs> Well, I'm just going to point out that at least by Bill Connolly's metrics, that Nevada was in the bottom five nationally in both punt return efficiency and kick return efficiency. But they had a touchdown. That has to come for something. I mean, maybe, but they were also <laughs> tenth. In, they were also tenth in the conference in in kickoff return average. They only averaged 18 yards per kick return. Yeah. So I mean, but... I mean, again, that's another area for growth for this offense. There is. And I also my point you have guys back there when like Henley averaged twenty yards per touch on kick return. That's good to that's good to have, right? So Yeah. It's uh it's just something we know. Oh, you're back returning, you'll be fine. It's not it's it's just hard to predict special teams. It's not like Juwan Washington or like Gavier Williams, we know what we're getting from them, what they do, returning the kicks and returning everything. So it's just something to note they have guys who've played there before, They're not plugging in new people overall. So let's just let's let's take a super quick timeout. And then it's schedule talk. Oh, yeah. All right, schedule time. Like I've been mentioned, what, four or five, six times, Matt, that they open up with Purdue and then Oregon? Mm-hmm. Um, Purdue, they do keep their coach, Brom, who did not get tempted by the Louisville cash. Instead, he sticks with the big, sweet Big Ten money, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Might as well hang out with that. So the opener, they are actually a – shoot, I had it here. Purdue's a favorite in this game, which – does that shock you at all, that they're a nine-point favorite? Not really, no. That, that doesn't surprise you as maybe too much? No, I don't think so. Okay, just wondering. Is Purdue, like, what do you expect from Purdue? I think in this, outside of what Brahms does, they're just been, eh, okay. They're just there in the Big Ten, cashing that $50 million check every year for being, by the luxury of being in the conference for 100 years. Well, they're going to get <laughs> tested right away on defense, this this Nevada Wolfpack team. For sure. Because even though the, the Boilermakers are replacing David Blau, they have one of the best players in the country, period. Who's in Rondale Moore. Yeah, he's pretty good. I heard of him. 
114 catches last year, 1,258 yards, 12 touchdowns. Oh, by the way, a 73% catch rate. Oh, and did we mention how many DBs Nevada's losing as well, right? <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. They're going to be tested right away. I think that you know if they decide to match up Brown with him, that's going to be a really sensational matchup. That could oh. be. It's also a Friday I, night game too, so check that out as well. But I think it's kind of an interesting contrast because you know we talk about Nevada's lack of pass rush, uh, or not necessarily a lack of pass rush, but what are they going to do to replace what they had? Purdue's replacing, I think, three or four guys who had at least a season's worth of starts last year. You know, Dennis Edwards had 53 career starts. You know, he's gone. Kirk Barron, their center's gone. So you, there could be opportunities for this defensive front to make some noise. The defense wasn't exactly stellar in, in the Big Ten last year. They were 88th by defensive S&P+. Plus. So if the offense can hit the ground running, like, again, if they hit upon the right answer, a quarterback especially... This could be a really exciting shootout right away on week one. I think there will be. Like I mentioned, it's Friday night, what, CBS Sports Network game, right? Yes, because it's at, it's in um out there, Mackie, Reno. Mm-hmm. I, I think you're right. I think this could be like, a, if we had a guess over, over under right now, probably, what would you say, 54, somewhere in that range? 50 plus? Oh, 50, 54, easy. Exactly. 60 plus? Take the over, man, okay. whatever it ends up being. I was guessing. But, I think, but my thing is, I think nine points is a tad too high. Honestly, that sounds just about right to me. I should agree with you because remember what happened last year, Vanderbilt, I predicted to win. They got thrusted and blown out against the Vanderbilt team there in Nashville. So I learned my lesson and picking a Nevada loss. <laughs> I mean, I think it's worth pointing out that, that S&P Plus does give Nevada a 42% chance to win this game. And I, But I, like I said, I think a lot of it is going to be predicated on the offense hitting the ground running right away. It's a little generous, don't you think? But I also kind of think that the defense is going to have a hard time containing the weapons that Purdue has, especially more. So, mm-hmm. while, you know, if it, what would you say the line was nine right nine. now? Yeah, that's why I think it's high. I think I would take Nevada plus nine right you now see. and hope mm-hmm. that it rises a little bit more. Um, but I do have this one as kind of a, as a close Nevada loss. I would say this now. I'm going to be in Vegas like the week zero games. I need to make some moves down there, don't I? Yes, you do. Because I'm actually going to be down there August 30th, so I will take a crisp some sort of bill and see what I can do with it. <laughs> maybe, Amen. Maybe this game. All right, so, um, yeah, I predict loss. You predict loss as well? Yes. Winnable, but a loss, right? Exactly. Then you go to Oregon the week after. They have an extra day, but I we don't need to take too much time in this, I don't think. Herbert's probably, like I mentioned, probably the best quarterback in the country, at least projected to be so. Draftable quarterback, I should say, because I still think mm-hmm. Trevor Lawrence is better than him. I think he's better than Tua Talvaloga, even Jalen Hurns or Jalen Hurts at Oklahoma. I'll say that, but this again, the secondary—that's a big concern here. Yeah, I mean, especially since it's not all about Herbert either. Like they lose Dylan Mitchell at receiver, but they do have six of their—they have their next six. You know, leading receivers returning, yeah, led by Jalen Red, who was pretty good last year. He only had 38 catches, but he had a 68% catch rate. And they have a dynamic pair of running backs in C.J. Vertel and Travis Dye, who, by the way, they're only sophomores. And they combined for nearly 1,800 yards, easily cleared five yards per carry last year. It's going to be a really tough test all around. And, you know, just to kind of keep it simple, I don't know if Nevada's going to be able to keep up even if the offense and the defense come out swinging. No, and they have Dylan Mitchell, who would be arguably one of the best in the country, if not for, you know, LaVisca's Chenault, I believe that's correct, in Colorado. Who? Yeah, LaVisca Chenault. LaVisca Chenault, there you go. Not Chenault. Gee, that's terrible. Um, Interesting number, fact, that he only played in nine nine games last year. Mitchell played 13. Still had um, fewer uh, yards per game and nearly had the same amount of yards in four different, four less games. So... I tell you how good the, up, he is. the upside of an 0 2 start, though, is that they get Weber State and UTEP in the next two games. Dude, Weber State, just saying. Careful. Are they good? They made the FCS playoffs the past couple years. Like deep I, playoff I think, runs. I mean, Nevada's not going to pull Portland State again, are they? They have our, maybe the best running back in FCS. As a true freshman, did pretty well. I'd be very shocked if Nevada pulled a, a Portland State again. Here's the I'm not, I'm not, I'm going to say victory for Nevada. I'm not going to go that far. However, they are basically kind of like they put Eastern Washington very. I think that's who they played last year. They made whoever they played deep. I forget who it was, but they've been 
scoring 40-plus points per game. Nearly made the uh, title game last year, the year before. This is a game where you can't sleep on them. That's all I'm saying. If Nevada, so, what you're, so what you're saying overall is if you want to watch FCS football, which is for Weber State on your watch list. Exactly. Go get whatever okay. ESPN Plus. I'm in Utah. You can get on local Channel 14 here. can watch them play on TV time to time. Which, is, hmm. is Weber State better than UTEP? You see Loxley's gone at UTEP. Is that the yeah. relative of uh, Mike Loxley? It is. Ah! Not to clap. Sorry. That, that's so rude for what happened, what he did, what's going on. But Apple doesn't fall, fall far from the tree, right? I'm just saying. UTEP is so bad. Like Loxley punches people in Mexico and his kid is doing stupid things too. Yeah, don't do that. Victory. Don't punch people. Right? Can we just say victory? That's a victory. There's nothing easily. much more to add to that. Here's where it gets fun. They play Hawaii at home. And, uh, ooh, we hustle here. Hawaii, I, I'm going to go win for Nevada because it's at home. And Hawaii hasn't won in Reno in, what, 10 years, I think it is? I don't have that in front Somebody of me. Somebody mentioned, I, I think it's 07, I want to say. But here's what, I, here's what I can tell you. You know, we talked about it a little bit with Air Force being really tough at home. Mm-hmm. Nevada's the same way. They are. They have exactly one season in the last decade where they were worse than 500 at Mackey Stadium. I think they have, like, however they calculate home field advantage for, um, usually it's like three points, whatever, that's given. I think a couple of years ago, they were considered to have like the highest home field advantage in their, for point spread in the exactly. country. Yeah, they play, they play people tough there. Yeah, and it's not easy to get to. you got some altitude type there out there in that part of Nevada near the border there in California. But we've seen what Hawaii can do. I think this could be another shootout type of game, right? I think they could put up points. And we'll see what Hawaii does midseason. But I'm going to go victory for Nevada, which is kind of surprising for me to say that. It also, no, I don't, I don't know if it would be that surprising. A little, because the quarterback situation is so unsettled. But Hawaii's They defense. did beat Hawaii pretty convincingly last year. They did. That's the reason why I'm kind of leaning toward Nevada. And it's at home this time around. Exactly. So I'm going win over Hawaii, same as you? Yes. Win over San Jose State, right? That should be mm-hmm. a pretty good win. At Utah State, S&P Plus has a 24% chance of winning. I don't think they can beat Utah State. Now, I mean, we talked about it a little bit on the Aggies podcast, you know, and, and maybe it bears mentioning that Nevada could contend for the West Division crown, mm-hmm. but it doesn't help that their three toughest games are all on the road at Utah State, at San Diego State, at Fresno State. I don't know if I would go out and say that well, they have to win all three well, to win the at, division. Also at Wyoming, too. Whew. At Wyoming, too, yeah. But they're going to have to win at least two of those to stand a chance at competing for the division crown. I've already made a – that's a good point. Real, real quick note on Utah State. Um, when we do our mega preview, we have the right to change these picks, right, if we'd like to? You can. Okay, I can keep my picks, but can I maybe um, – not to give it away, but I might be souring on Utah State a little bit. I'll allow it. We'll, we'll talk later on that, but I still, I still don't think Nevada can get the win. Okay. Then they go to Wyoming, back-to-back road games. Again, this will be a great defensive matchup for Wyoming versus offense. It's in Laramie. It's uh, I, We'll talk about the Cowboys in a couple weeks. If they find a running back, if Chambers is the right guy quarterback. We're doing our top 50. I keep creeping up Logan Wilson higher than I probably should because I keep moving him up. Uh, maybe he's 8, maybe he's 10, maybe he's number 1. I don't know. We'll see. But I keep like, ah, I can't have him that low. Look what he did. He always does is gets picks and turns the ball over. Interestingly, by S&P Plus, this is as close to an exact 50-50 game as you're going to get anywhere in the Mountain West this year. You're right. Point to margin of victory for Nevada. Who you got? You go first this time. I've been taking the lead on all these. Who do you got? I got Nevada. You do? Ooh. I do. I'm going Pokes. All right. I don't feel good about it, though. You know what? It's a prove-it game for both of these two teams. Exactly. Because they're, they're both kind of, I mean, they're going to both look very different from one another, mm-hmm. but they're both in kind of the same position where they're looking to hold on to the standing that they've earned for themselves in the last couple of years. I, you're correct on that. Part of it is, like I mentioned, the Wyoming defense really good. Nevada offense should be really good. I think what it could come down to, I think those will, those, Nevada will score points. Wyoming will stop them. I think Wyoming's defense probably touch better than the Nevada offense. So it really mm-hmm. could come down to, can... I think Nevada's defense is better than Wyoming's offense, but it's close. So, like, the differences between how great – like, put my hands up higher if you can't see because you can't see the offensive defense for Nevada versus Wyoming, that's pretty elite. Just flip it around, they're, they're pretty basement level, I would say. But I'd put Nevada head on offense, 
and then um, no, no, not offense. Let me see. Sorry, Wyoming defense ahead, but then I put that the Nevada defense ahead of that Wyoming offensive touch. Which can be a fun game to watch. You know what I mean? Does that make sense, people? Uh, yeah, it does. Yeah. So the difference is is uh, pretty close. Then they go to hmm. San Diego, no, to, oh, host of Mexico um, victory, right? Easy. That, that's a win. No way to lose that, right? As I knock on something here to hope that <laughs> we'll see if Bob Davis coached at that time. And at San Diego State, um, off the cuff, I would just say Aztec win. But I remember last year where San Diego State UNLV game, Hawaii game, did it end well for them? Ten the year. Is this another? No, I, got, I, have the, I have this as a Nevada win too. What, dude? <laughs> really? I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna keep my thoughts on San Diego State very close to the vest for right now. Okay, why? Just by saying that, you might give some away. At least in my mind, where I'm thinking what you're doing. Um, you say you think it's a Nevada victory. Give me. You gotta tell me why though. Why? What's the reason for the win? You gotta at least give us that. Offense. Which I really, do, I really don't know what the San Diego State offense is gonna look like. You're telling me you don't trust Ryan Agnew. <laughs> I mean, even if Agnew <laughs> takes a step, I'll, I'll leave it like this. Even if Agnew takes a step forward from what he did last year, you know, Juwan Washington is not going to solve everything. Or Juwan Washington and Chase Jasmine. We'll dive deeper into this when we get to the Aztecs podcast. Mm-hmm. Suffice it to say, I have very serious concerns about the Aztecs on offense right now. I guess if you look what we saw last year, you know what I mean? They they led a very charmed existence in the first half of last year. Also, to keep in mind, not to go all Aztec on this, but they do have a slightly new offense. They're ditching a fullback, going more spread look, but still run-based spread. If you want to think like Patriots and shotgun, a little bit what they kind of do in NFL. It's kind of where they're going. It's still a pro set, but uh, still hand the ball off a ton. And, oh, by the way, they just lost another of their receiving <laughs> or leading receivers from last year in Tim Wilson. Whatever. Medical retirement. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. You posted that recently. Um, as I'm staring at my cursor blinking, I'm going to backspace and go W. <laughs> <laughs> it's a riveting, riveting podcasting right there. I'm just saying. I'm th- letting you go about I forgot about the Wilson thing. Okay. All Buster, right. uh, here's the thing. Aztecs can win that game for sure. It's at home. But I, I'm not, not to say I'm souring a little bit, but they've kind of lost what's been dominant for them where they've had a – Defense will be great, clearly. He's not Christian Chapman, and for me to say that is um, take it how you wish. For me saying this, Agnew's not a Christian Chapman-type player, but I don't think Ryan Agnew is as good as Christian Chapman. Interestingly, they only give the Wolfpack a 29% chance to win at San Diego and a 28% chance to win their next game at Fresno State. There's no way they're beating Fresno State, right? I think it's, I mean... It's hard to it's hard to base it just off of last year because I feel like last year was an aberration for the Wolfpack. Sure. You know, that was where we really got to see how uneven their performances were. You know, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Defense actually played pretty well in that game. Let's not forget. Um, I think it's going to be a lot closer than S and P Plus would suggest at first glance. Possibly. Um, yeah, I don't think it's a blowout. I think you're higher on Nevada than I am, it seems like, as we're going through this. Nevada's going to be pretty good. At this point, we'll know what they are, obviously, secondary-wise, what they're doing, who the quarterback is, how well they're going, how well they're doing throughout the year. I, I'm still going Fresno to win. And assuming if Fresno doesn't play like San Jose State last year, they should probably win with, like, maybe, maybe it's a 10-point victory. That's, wouldn't, that's not out of the ordinary or too shocking to say they're going to win by 10 points. But I think Fresno State will probably win and probably – Look, folks, we're sitting here mid-June. We're talking about a game Thanksgiving weekend. Give us the- I'm gonna, I think I'm going to give up the ghost a little bit with some of the, the previews we're going to record in the future. The winner of this game is going to win the West Division. What? Really? I think it's going to be Fresno State. What? But okay. I think it's going to be real close. You're doing what I did last year in Nevada. I'm, I'm trying to hold back. From last year, I predicted them to be like that spoiler-type team. All right, so then they host UNLV. I guess by that rationale, you're saying a victory, right, for Nevada? They kind of gave that game away again last year, and yeah. kind of going back to the home field advantage, they should beat UNLV this year. So, yeah, I have it as a win. So I'm sitting next. we got to wrap it up here because i got to ha- ha- get out of here. 7-5 for me. Losses, Purdue, Oregon, 
Utah State, Wyoming, Fresno State. And I have them at eight and four, six and two in the Mountain West. Interesting. And that's okay. It's not bad. I think that's where they should be with the new quarterback. Maybe they'll surprise. Like, if I'm going to go really quick for a surprise, like to get better, I think Purdue is a winnable game, as is Wyoming. I'll even say Utah State because after thinking about Utah State losing their whole entire offensive line, that has me more concerned than I probably should be. Or, no, I was not concerned enough about that. So I think there's some issues with that. But I think going to a bowl game is where they should be, 7-5. to five. This isn't going to be a team ever, I don't think, at least this year, with a new quarterback, take a huge jump. If they're going to take a huge jump, it'll be 2020 where quarterback will be back again. Running backs, as we mentioned, will be back, more experienced. I think the year after is where they can make a huge jump to really compete. I don't think they're quite there yet, but they will give those teams difficult matchups. But being on the road, Fresno, San Diego, Utah State, Wyoming, all those road games is what makes it hard for them to take that be the next level team, like a 9-1 team. I think their ceiling is going to be almost entirely predicated on how big of a step forward the offense takes. I think if they can improve in all the ways that we've been talking about in this podcast, they're a 10-win team. Crazy. They're a 10-win team, and they win the division. Boy, I had some hot takes. We need, we, that, we need, I think, is their ceiling. We need a new hot take uh, podcast, I think. That's our big take. Well, I mean, I guess, I, I mean, we talked about how high you were on Air Force. I guess uh, I guess that is officially oh, my, uh, my, my take on Nevada. Can I change that? With Cole Fagan gone, I'm not too happy. I mean, I'm you're allowed to. I'm not going to hold it against you. I may, just a quick second, I may pull back a tiny bit on Air Force because that is a big deal. And who knows, maybe he'll be ready to play in August by the time we do our gigantic preview. That'd be like a five-hour podcast or something. Who knows? Probably mm. not, but just say it. All right, so that's it. i got to hit, hit the road here, folks. So I say 7-5, to five, you say 8-4. and four. Next preview will be a Mountain Division team next week. So we'll put a poll out. You can uh, vote whoever you want to vote for. Maybe we'll do New Mexico to get them out of the way. Maybe. That makes sense, right? Possibly. We'll see if we're uh, if our podcast completed before Bob Davey gets fired. Ooh, just <laughs> not going to happen. But I, I, people know I don't like Bob Davey. So that's it for tonight. Thank you for listening. MWR.com is our, is our website. Um, go to MWCWire on Twitter. Find us iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, PodCoin, anywhere you want to find us. Oh, PodCoin, put him out in the West. You get some bonus credit to maybe get some gift cards. So check that out if you'd like to do so. And... Uh, yeah, next week we'll be doing a Mountain Division team. Matt, we're almost halfway. Works for me. We're, what, 10 weeks away from the season starting now? It, it's not close enough. Not close enough. So we'll see you next time, folks. And um, until then, we'll be um, just check our website, 